Weekend Wrap-Up and Monday Night Madness on Beyond the Airwaves, The Infinity Project. Good evening, everybody. It is Monday night here at Beyond the Airways, the Infinity Project. Yeah, we're going to be in for a long week. Hello, I'm back. Welcome back. Anyway, it is Monday, so that means it's time for Weekend Wrap-Up of Monday Night Madness. I'm your host for tonight. I am Oddball Extreme. I'm currently joined in the line by two of my crazy cohorts. First, we have Red Ranger Tim. Good evening to you, sir. Good evening, my dear. We also have our AC magician on the line. Good evening to you, Madea. Hi, everybody. How's it going? Good. Our resident Joker will be joining us a little later. He is in the middle of watching Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. <laughs> hey, describe fairy tale to those okay, of us who uh, are not acquainted with the show. Well, with I the... don't know that. Well, I don't really that much about fairy tale. All I know is it involves uh, magic, guilds. And I guess a little bit of medieval stuff. That's all I know. <laughs> and demon hunters. I don't forget the demon. Oh. Yeah. Excuse me. Of course, there's that. Of course, there's that one girl named Mira Jane. Okay, trust me. Let's just say she's kind of like the anime version of the Incredible Hulk. You get her mad, she'll put you through hell. <laughs> Let's see. Oh yeah, we got Ashley in the chat room too. So, hi, Ash. Okay, let's see. Can any, all right, can everybody hear me? Yep. Okay. Yeah, sorry, I thought the air was going dead. <laughs> this is a dead air production. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, my. I'm back. Well, I'm back again. All right. Well. Might as well start with the box office results um, for this past weekend. Aquaman has officially been dethroned. Okay. But, gonna, but you won't believe the movie that did it. It's The Upside. That's the one with Kevin Hart and uh, Brian Cranston. What's that movie about? Basically, basically, a man, uh, Kevin Hart plays a character who gets hired to become a caregiver for Brian Cranston's character, who I believe is wheelchair-bound. And the two stir up a pretty good friendship as a result. All right. Well, you know what? Aquaman had a good reign. Yeah, he did. Beats the heck out right, of the so Republicans. Anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> basically, here are the top five. Uh, the upside one at number one with $20.3 million. Aquaman fell to number two with $17.3 million, but the domestic take, $287 million. Actually, we're 288 at this point. But the good news is it's broken the $1 billion mark worldwide. Is that counting the domestic and foreign? Yep, yep, mm-hmm. Let's just say the international, the international markets boosted it by far. Yeah. Who was that guy that says, "Why didn't somebody tell me this movie was so bad?" Referring to oh, Aquaman. That was, someone, that was that was someone in a Dragon Con group. But anyway, uh, the number three movie is A Dog's Way Home, that made eleven point two million dollars. I knew, I mean, I knew it was not going to beat Aquaman, but, you know, it still did pretty well. Uh, number four was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Golden Globe winner, and last night, officially, Critics' Choice Award winner for Best Animated Feature. Yay! So I have a feeling Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse may have locked up that Oscar for Best Animated Feature. Take oh, that, Disney. So far, Disney, yeah, so far, Disney's two movies, Ralph Breaks the Internet and The Incredibles 2, they've been nominated, but they haven't been able to beat Spider-Man yet. Yeah, now it only did $9 million, but the take so far, $147.8 million, the budget was $90 million, so there's going to be a sequel coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And then finally, rounding up the top five is Escape Room with $8.9 million. Now, the take may have only been $32 million so far, but it's only been out two weeks, and the budget was just $9 million. So, guess so, what? There'll probably be a sequel there. Now, this, the one, the one, this is going to make you laugh so hard, okay? Uh, Keanu Reeves has a new movie called Replicas. Now, I will tell you this. The movie, I had a feeling the movie was not going to do well when the only channel showing the trailer was the Weather Channel. (laughs) The Weather weather Channel. I don't know, but the Weather Channel would keep showing the trailer for Replica. (laughs) It's like, oh my God. Maybe they did that because no other station would touch it. Yeah, especially considering it only did $2.3 million. Oh, that is bad. But I don't know what the biggest flop... Let's see. It's the, it's, this is going to be the first big flop of the year right here. <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, Bohemian Rhapsody will be out on Blu-ray and DVD on February 12th. Less than a month away, and it's still in theaters. It's uh, it still made $3 million. and actually did two places better than... Oh, I'm sorry. I thought Revocus was 12th. It actually debuted at number 13. <laughs> Talk about unlucky. <laughs> but it's strange when Bohemian Rhapsody a lot longer, and it's still doing better. All I know is anything's got to be better than replicants. The replicants. Yeah. It's just replicas. Because basically, basically, the story is basically a man loses his entire family in a car accident, and he basically puts their memories into the into uh, clones, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like where have we seen this before? I do not know. But my favorite part is going to the bottom. Let's see what movies went under $1,000. Let's see. There we go. Return of the Hero, $933. <laughs> Studio 54. Let's see. Studio 54, $700. Chef Flynn, $454. Senso, $437. Life and Nothing More, $304. Sicilian Ghost Story, 263 Wildlife, 190 And I love the last three. All three of these guys under 100 bucks each. Uh, let's see. Henchman, $90. Narcissister Organ Player, $66. And finally, 1945 $50. <laughs> what was that movie with John Belushi? What do you mean? That was, it was a war picture with John Belushi done as a comedy. Oh, I can't remember. 1944? No. Not Varsity Blues. No, I can't remember. Not Varsity Blues. That wasn't a war picture. Okay. <laughs> Let me find out. Hey, John. John Belushi war movie. It was 1941. Oh, I was so off by three years. You're on the right years. track. Mm-hmm. I was off by three friggin' years. That's all right. You were on the right track, though. <clears throat> but yeah, that's the that's the story. Oh man. I think some people make these cheap-ass movies just for the sake of doing something, because they were bored like Clytus. Yep. Clytus, I'm bored. No, it's more like, Clytus, I'm bored. Yo, Clytus, I'm bored, but I'm bored, Clytus. I was a new man. Okay, man? (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) Oh, my. Not while I got my mouth full of cold water. I don't want to okay. spoil all over. Oh, dear. 
Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Oh, my. Oh, me. And you know about this, oh, man? Shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, you did say, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True, he did. <laughs> oh, shit. Who is Jack Shit? <laughs> That's what I want to know. He's got a daughter uh, named Pisa, a daughter named Pisa, a son Pisa, named Jack. Oh, yeah. Yep. Let's see. Mm. All right, let's see. Uh, let's see. Here's something interesting. Let me see. There's a guy like there's a there's a person I like to follow. His name is Doctor. Let's see, Marshall Shepard. Uh, he he has hosted he hosted the show um, Weather Geeks on the Weather Channel. Now it's a podcast on iTunes. He had posted something today that kind of kind of got my attention, which I actually thought makes sense. Let me see if I can find it again. Ah, here it is. You see, he he normally he also tends to write articles for Forbes magazine, and I read this one. It caught my attention because um, it's a very interesting setup. How wearing business suits makes cities warmer and causes thermostat gender bias. I know it sounds really weird. No, really, there is the, a, the gender bias yeah. is. Men like it warmer, and ladies like it cold, cooler. Actually, not quite. Did I get Here's it fast backwards? Well, not exactly. I'll explain it in a second. But here's here's the story behind this. Uh, now, this is in his words. I am sure the headline caused a few eye rolls, but I encourage you to keep reading with objectivity, not bias. The strangest things inspire me to write about weather, climate, and other science topics in this space. This article was inspired by something that billionaire Mark Cuban wrote in a blog called Why I Don't Wear a Suit and Can't Figure Out Why Anyone Does. Cuban published this blog in 2007 and raised awareness about it in a tweet last year. While Cuban's reasons for not wearing business suits are related to his perspective on shattering expected norms in the business environment and personal choice, there may actually be a connection to carbon dioxide emissions, gender bias, and climate change that many of us have not considered. Now, here's a a story on that. One of my research interests at the University of Georgia is how cities impact weather and climate. I have studied aspects of this problem for over two decades. The urban heat island describes a situation in which cities are typically warmer than the rural environments because of the heat-absorbing surfaces, lack of trees, and anthropogenic waste heat associated with engines or heating cooling systems. I recently co-organized a workshop with colleagues from Georgia Institute of Technology, University of Georgia, and Arizona State University to consider urban heat and mitigation strategies. During one of the discussion sessions, we were discussing the irony that air conditioning usage can actually worsen urban heat islands. A 2014 study released by Arizona State University researchers noted, according to the university press release, that releasing excess heat from air conditioners running during the night resulted in higher outside temperatures, worsening the urban heat island effect and increasing cooling demands. Many heat-related health issues are associated with elevated night temperatures. The study, entitled Anthropogenic Heating of the Urban Environment Due to Air Conditioning, was published in the Journal of Geophysical Research Atmospheres. Now, I'll tell you, if this science stuff is getting a little too hard, let me know, okay? <laughs> Will do. Okay. Let's see. Let me go look at the studio, too, make sure. Oh, shoot. There's Mike. Hi, Mike. Sorry about that. Hey, no problem. You were you were reading an article, so no biggie. All right. Hola, mi amigo. Como esta? Good evening. All right. Anyway, 
The waste heat in cities is not negligible and is something we often do not think about. During the aforementioned workshop, one of the attendees noted that she often has to take a sweater or light jacket into her workplace because the buildings are kept so cool. One of the reasons that she offered was that people, men, wear suits. I don't know what, no, we must have done that wrong. Well, stylish and part of the expected norm in some business cultures, they can be warm. I love suits, but I am speaking from experience. This colleague was on to something. A 2015 study published in the journal Nature Climate Change found that energy consumption associated with office buildings and residential buildings contributes roughly 30% of carbon monoxide, not monoxide, dioxide emissions. Sorry, wrong word. This is probably intuitive since heating, ventilating, and air conditioning, or HVAC systems, require energy from power plants. Surprisingly, the study also found that occupant behavior is responsible for about 80% of the variability in why energy is consumed in those buildings. Pam Bellick, writing in the New York Times, tackled this issue and shared this revealing tweet that many may be nodding to. Miss Mahana, 24, who posted on Twitter that at work she felt like an icy white walker from Game of Thrones, said a female co-worker at her digital marketing agency cloaked herself in sweaters, too. It happens every summer. Offices turn on the air conditioning and women freeze into popsicles. And that about makes sense, especially down here in the south, because it can be 100 degrees outside and 50 degrees where I work. Believe me, it gets cold. Well, anyway, the basic I premise of the go ahead. Okay, I thought the article. I thought you were through with the article. I can wait. Okay. Anyway, the basic premise of the study is that office buildings are using an antiquated formula based on the me- metabolic rates of men. Metabolic rates differ as a function of gender and represent the amount of energy used by a person or animal over some amount of time. The study highlights that indoor climate regulations are still based on comfort models developed in the 1960s and were calibrated to men. Such rates can overestimate metabolic rates of women by up to 35%. The inertia of business culture will likely dictate that business suits are worn in certain situations. However, science suggests that there may be an indirect impact on the urban heat, carbon dioxide emissions, gender equality issues, and climate change. Innovative new fabrics and approaches offer some hope. Burr.com, yes, that's real, B-R-R-R, Burr.com, for example, is an Atlanta-based company whose website claims that its Burr technology has demonstrated an ability to reduce skin temperature by almost 3 degrees Fahrenheit over 20 minutes of normal wear in a simulated environment. Time will tell if a new generation of clothing is the answer, or maybe simply giving suits a break for, or bringing indoor comfort regulations into the 21st century is also part of the answer, too. And that's the end of the article. You know, you really don't know what causes, you know, different things. Mm-hmm. Whoa, are you all right? Whoever just burped. Mike, are you all right? Not me. Yeah. Mike? Okay, it could be my earphones playing tricks on me, too. Yeah, it's possible. But you know what? Another reason for the urban heat is with all mm-hmm. the emissions that the extra cars, industrial facilities, etc., are putting out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, normally I don't like to bring in politics, but guess what? This this might actually make you think. Florida's new Republican governor softly nudges the state forward on climate change. Seriously. This is not a joke. This is out of the Miami Herald. So it's like, yeah, this is real. Okay. And I just put a JJ in the chat room. Hey, JJ. Hi, JJ. How are ya? All right, well, anyway, this was posted uh, back on the 10th, which was Thursday. So, anyway, here's what's going on. As a candidate, Ron DeSantis towed a line on climate change, promising to prioritize the environment and acknowledge the problems posed by sea rise without bowing to the church of the global warming warming leftists. 
On Thursday, Florida's newly anointed Republican governor put his words to action, announcing plans to open a new resiliency office as part of a sweeping environmental rollout that includes an extra $1 billion for Everglades restoration and water cleanup, without mention of climate change or carbon emissions. In a state threatened by saltwater intrusion and suffering from red tide and toxic blue-green algae blooms, DeSantis' green platform received bipartisan applause. He's opposing fracking, creating a new office to integrate scientific research into the state's environmental policies and pushing to quickly begin the process of cleansing the state's distressed Lake Okeechobee. For some environmentalists and Democrats, the proposal fell short of hopes, but even so, DeSantis still managed to exceed critics' expectations by indicating that a state where former Governor Rick Scott banned environmental regulators from using the phrase climate change is now willing to work to at least combat the symptoms of an existential problem. DeSantis has done more in two days than Scott did during his entire eight years in office, said Laura Reynolds, an environmental consultant. It's a great surprise. I didn't think he was going to acknowledge climate change at all. In some ways, DeSantis didn't. During three stops around the state Thursday, DeSantis never said the words climate change, and they weren't included in his executive order. Nor were there any references to humans' role in rising temperatures, which scientists project will cause several feet of sea rise before the end of the century and contribute to extreme weather events. But by, indica- by bleh, started over. But by including a non-rising season, increased flooding as part of a platform intended to bring real-time solutions to existing problems. DeSantis seemingly put the state on a path it has largely avoided. This is a wonderful model for the Republicans to acknowledge this issue in a sober way without alarming people and without using it as an excuse to measurably expand government, said Carlos Curbelo, a two-term Republican congressman who introduced a carbon tax bill shortly before losing his Miami seat in November. Nobody paying attention to DeSantis' campaign or his six years in Congress as a conservative Republican would have expected anything nearing a carbon tax anyway. On the trail, he dismissed climate zealots and shunned talk of capping energy usage, a third rail in Republican politics. Still, even while praising the steps including DeSantis' executive order, Sierra Club Florida Chapter Director Frank Jackalone what a name, Frank Jackalone, <laughs> called the omission short-sighted. If you're building the seawalls knowing nothing about the cause of sea rise, then you have to come back 10 years later to build a seawall again. But Corbello says the Santa's creation of a resiliency office and a chief science officer position are part of conservative America's slow move toward addressing the issues posed by climate change. Noting that the federal government bears the true responsibility of curbing the carbon emission emissions that are increasing global temperatures, Corello said the creation of a state resiliency office gives the many South Florida communities trying to adapt to rising seas a partner in state government and represents an important step for Republicans across the country. Let's see. Administrators at the city of Miami, for example, were pleased to hear DeSantis' announcement. The city has several areas that are particularly vulnerable to rising sea levels, and multiple neighborhoods require expensive projects to drain and adapt existing roads and properties. Jane Gilbert, Miami's own chief resilience officer, said the city has already started conversations with the state on investing in coastal green infrastructure. Having a sympathetic voice in the governor's ear could certainly help. Florida is a leading indicator in terms of how the Republican Party is evolving on this issue, Corbello said. And today, Governor DeSantis courageously became a part of that evolution, and he should be recognized for it. Florida will be better off thanks to his actions. DeSantis, who is 40 and has two children, told reporters Thursday that he's trying to do what he can now in the time he has as governor to address the slew of environmental problems currently ailing the state. DeSantis' press office did not respond to a question about the governor's thoughts on whether climate change poses an urgent problem. But he did reflect a little Thursday in Bradenton on the pressing nature of the state's challenges and how important it is for his administration to lead the state better than how they inherited it. We only have a limited amount of time on this earth, he said. We've got to make the most of it. So, maybe there is a little bit of hope for Republicans. Of course, you know who might might want to put a say in that, if you know who I mean. Oh, yeah, you know he's going to have a meltdown. Yeah. And I emphasize the word meltdown. Yeah. Because, honestly, you know, it's nice to know, you know, DeSantis is a Republican governor, but he recognizes what's going on. That's why I call a true Republican right there. Yeah. Somebody that's willing to I mean, recognize what's really going on that you know puts current situation over party. Yep. Agreed. 
because you know he realizes that Florida having that peninsula it makes it one of the it makes it the most vulnerable place for um, hurricanes and everything else. Because remember, look what happened. Look what happened last year alone. Actually, last year and this year, all the all these crazy hurricanes we had. Especially when Michael hit the panhandle at 155 miles an hour. You seen that? Seen that picture of that eye wall coming in? It's like, oh God, hell is about to get unleashed. Yeah, but I've always like I've always liked Doctor she- I've always liked Doctor Shepard because you know I'm I'm a I'm a weather geek myself. It's just that you know I wish I could go back and if I could go back I would I would have loved to gone into meteorology. But but the only thing is it's like can you go out in the field it's like if there's a tornado I'll pass. <laughs> I will pass. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Today is the Flash's birthday. I mean, Grant Gustin's birthday. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, Tim, this may make you happy. Game of Thrones, April 14th. Yes. <laughs> yep, it is official. The final season will be April 14th. Now, I will tell you right now, there are only six episodes. However, know that these episodes will be a lot longer than one hour. <laughs> so. All I know is, when am I going to get the money from them to buy the Blu-ray and digital? <laughs> yep. Oh, my. But yes, there are only there are only six, but they're going to last a lot longer than one hour each time. So that won't be all too that won't be bad. I have a pretty good idea, and I'm not naming names, so if you're mm-hmm. expecting a spoiler or whatever, you might as well forget that idea. I have a pretty good idea of who's going to win the Iron Claw. I but think I'm not so. Gonna say, yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you can have, you and I can say some privately, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. There's who I want to win up the Iron Throne, and then there's the one that I think will actually get it. Okay. Ow. Something's scratching my face. And they may Hold or on. may not, and, and they may or may not be the same person. Okay. What the? Did something bite my foot? Hmm. Okay, that's odd. Huh. All right. Sorry. Oh yes, if this this should like I said, Aquaman. Aquaman has broken the one billion dollar mark at the box office. Of course, that's international and domestic. So. <laughs> So that's always a good thing. Let's see. Uh, okay. Um, somebody, let's see, JJ posted this article today. Um, it's another McDonald's assault. Man throws hot coffee at a 16-year-old worker over French fries. Seriously, people? Get yeah. over it. And get over it yeah. yourself. Okay, I'll tell you the truth. I had a situation where something in my order got missed, okay? it I remember it was at Logan's Roadhouse, and I had ordered steak and shrimp. I got the steak, but I didn't get the shrimp. Now, I didn't notice any, I didn't notice until almost afterward, but instead of going all crazy, I calmly called the waitress and said, ma'am, I think, I think the shrimp is missing. And they discovered that it was true. I was missing the shrimp, so they gave me the dinner for free. All I had to pay for was the dessert. 
And, so, and I've had, you know, stuff disappear from McDonald's or get completely wrong has happened when I placed my first ever order with DoorDash. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these things happen. People are humans. People make mistakes. It's right. okay to be angry. It's okay to mm-hmm. be angry. But don't go out of hand like that. Yeah. Agreed. something in somebody's face and whatnot is not going to make the problem better for you. Yeah. Because you heard about what happened at the McDonald's. You heard about that one girl McDonald's that was caught on camera all over straws. Yep, I remember. I, I, I either read or saw one earlier today. Some guy got pissed off over cold French fries. Over stupid. That's it. That's it. That's the one. Okay, so here's what happened. It's out of Tampa. This is from the Tampa Bay Times, but this is actually in South Carolina. Less than two weeks after a video of a St. Petersburg McDonald's employee fighting off an attacker went viral, police in South Carolina have released video of what they say is another attack on a restaurant employee. According to WLTX-TV, a man threw hot coffee on a 16-year-old girl working the drive through window in Camden, South Carolina, and police are now seeking help to identify the suspect. Police, well, this is last Tuesday, released surveillance video of the December 21st incident. According to reports, the man asked for a large order of french fries when he felt unsatisfied with the length of his weight. The 16-year-old employee said the man asked to speak to the manager, then got angry, saying she rolled her eyes. He motioned for her to open the drive through window. When she did, he threw hot coffee on her face, causing first-degree burns that have since healed. Though the incident happened last month, the video was released... The video's release comes less than two weeks after the release of a viral video showing a woman in St. Petersburg fight off an attacker as she worked behind the counter of a local McDonald's. In the video, Yasmin James is assaulted by Daniel Troyer when he becomes upset over having to ask for a straw. James, who says she comes from a boxing family, was able to defend herself. In that particular case, she had the right to. Let's see. The issue has since sparked protests and calls for more training and protection from violence in the workplace as more workers come forward with stories of harassment. McDonald's spokesman Kim Aday told the Tampa Bay Times last week that the restaurant chain is reviewing how we respond to such incidents going forward, adding that it will always stand with our people and remain committed to their safety and well-being. Police in South Carolina have not released the name of the 16-year-old worker. Because she's considered, still considered a juvenile. Correct. And in ongoing investigations, you don't release the name of juveniles. Mm-hmm. No matter which side it is, it's the victim or the perpetrator. In this case, she's uh-huh. the victim. So. No. But I, you know what? Over doggone french fries. Yep. Damn. That is play. I swear, the world is going completely bonker nuts. I know, and to tell you the truth, we have our topic for attention in one next week. I've already, I've already given it a nice label: food orders with a side of assault. Okay, hold on. Because let's face it, I've there's got, plenty. I've got, I've got the next article ready whenever everybody else is ready. All right. Yeah, but I mean, seriously, we've got enough incidents now. <laughs> we can make this happen already. All right, Tim, all yours. So while we're on the subject of fast food, and I'm, you know, I'm gonna have to kind of be, be like Shirley, kind of hate to drag politics into this, but this is gonna make for perfect entertainment, the best entertainment. And I'm gonna drop this link into the Facebook chat if somebody can please copy to the BTR chat. I'll take care of that. Donald. Donald Trump is up to it again in pure Donald Trump fashion. We all know the Clemson Tigers recently won the national championship. Mm-hmm. And of course, the government has the government has been shut down. Most of right. the employees are not working. So when he welcomes the Clemson Tigers to the White House, and they're all gonna they're all gonna sit down and have a meal together. Okay, here's the problem. 
you have no government workers. What do you do? You serve them fast food, literally. Yeah. Yeah. El Trumpolo La Chipola is, is serving McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's, you know, all as they celebrate the Tigers National Championship. So this was actually posted on Business Insider like five minutes ago. So this is like literally breaking news. Oh, boy. On Monday, the Clemson Tigers took part in a White House visit to celebrate their national championship win over the Alabama Crimson Tide. Sorry, Shirley. That's okay. All some might, might have expected a fine steak dinner would serve a team full of football players well. Trump announced on Monday morning that the team would be greeted with a wide-ranging buffet of fast food options to celebrate their hard-fought victory. I think we're going to serve McDonald's, Wendy's, and Burger King's with some pizza, Trump told reporters outside the White House. I really mean it. It'll be interesting. Trump made good on his promise, proudly displaying a sea of burgers for the players to indulge in later that night. And there are videos from Twitter on that link if you really want to see it. But, yeah, he, he made good on his word. The president wanted to host a fun event to celebrate the college football national champion Clemson Tigers, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders said in a statement. Because the Democrats refused to negotiate on border security, much of the resident staff at the White House was furloughed. So the president is personally paying for the event to be catered with some of everyone's favorite fast foods. Around 300 burgers were set out for the players to eat, according to White House pool reports. Pictures from the event were perplexing, to say the least. And then there are several of them there that you can see on Twitter. Hilariously, Clemson's favorite fast food, Chick-fil-A, was nowhere to be found. Ooh. Interesting. You think they're like a steak dinner or something nice to celebrate a kid? Oh, hell no. We're going to be El Chipola and just order like a crap ton of fast food instead. I'm back. back. Oh, boy. What did I miss? Oh, nothing. Trump decided to award the Clemson Tigers football team with uh, Wendy's, McDonald's, fast food, no steaks, no... No nothing, just these L people of food because everybody's been furloughed because of this tantrum induced government shutdown. Yeah. So what does he do? He he orders three hundred burgers from McDonald's, Wendy's and Burger King and some pizza and he serves that instead. But he personally paid for it. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't he do the same thing for his goddamn wall? You know, that's a very good question, and I'd, I'd like to get to the bottom of that. I really want You want the yes, wall so bad? Why don't you pay for it? Yeah, well, the thing Tim mentioned, Clemson's favorite fast food is fast food is Chick-fil-A. It wasn't, on, wasn't quite on the menu. I hope they took it graciously. I hope so, too. Well, the article was posted like five minutes ago. I mean, it's literally just put out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the tent. And you know what? This little tantrum is hurting a lot of people. I know. Not government workers. And you know what the worst part of all is? What? Honestly, Unnecessary? No. The worst part of all is that his supporters don't care. Of course they don't. don't care when it starts affecting them. Nope. They'll you be know, the first people online waving signs saying, take my health care away. Mm-hmm. You know, I am lucky. Uh, yeah, we all agree. We all agree effectively that he's committed treason and does all these crimes that are impeachable. But the thing mm-hmm. is, if, if his supporters don't care, and as long as they don't care, this is going to continue to be a problem. 
Oh, you want to know what I read somewhere? What? Democrats hmm. are closer to impeaching his ass. Yeah, what I, I like that idea, but one problem. The Senate's involved, and you, I really doubt they're going to get the Republicans to go along with it. Yeah. They should, but they won't. And you know why? All right. Why? They What's don't that? care. They don't care. Okay. All right. They are effectively what I would call yes men. Spineless, oh, yeah. don't do their jobs, and we'll just give him whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. I'll be All glad right. when well, he gets defeated next election. Yeah, I think I think we all know who's probably going to go down. I hope. All right. Well, let's get out of the let's get out of the glum and do something feel good. Um. I don't know if you heard about this story. I've seen bits and pieces of this one. A UCLA gymnast stunned judges and broke the internet with a flawless Jackson 5-inspired floor routine that, in, that gave her a perfect 10. Yeah. Oh, my. I did not see that. Okay. Well, the good, news is, that. the good news is there's a video in there. And you can watch it whenever you want. You don't have to worry about it. But, um... Basically, here's what happened. This was posted only four hours ago. So here's the story. Caitlin Ohashi, a gymnast and senior at UCLA, took the world by storm on Saturday with a fun Jackson 5-inspired floor routine that was technically brilliant enough to earn a perfect 10 from judges at the Collegiate Challenge. So Ohashi began the routine with a big smile and a swing of her hips before launching into a ridiculous tumbling pass that she punctuated by sticking the landing. Neither the routine nor Ohashi's energy dipped from there. She danced around and hit her marks with grace as as her minute and a half of glory reaches in, spectators and teammates erupted with cheers. Like I said, there's the whole video, but you can watch it whenever. The stunning performance helped lead the Bruins to a collegiate challenge victory and quickly went viral on social media, with many big names weighing in on Ohashi's brilliance. Now, here are some of the names. First, Kamala Harris. She tweeted, this is just fantastic. Congratulations uh, uh, at Caitlin Ohashi and UCLA Gymnastics. Jamil Smith, when I get back to Los Angeles, I will have to go support UCLA Gymnastics. This routine by Caitlin Ohashi earns a 10 and breaks the genre. All-around brilliance. Then Jamila Hill, note to self, go to a UCLA Gymnastics meet. Sold out O'Brien. Caitlin Ohashi is amazing. <laughs> the upbeat performance was striking and more wisdom one for the 21-year-old Seattle native, who had teed up with the Players' Tribune in August to detail her decision to stop pursuing her Olympic ambitions and instead compete at the collegiate level. There was a time where I was on top of the world, an Olympic hopeful, Ohashi said in the video. I was unbeatable until I wasn't. Ohashi competed at an elite level alongside Simone Biles not long ago, but she said the wear of gymnastics had both physical and emotional ramifications. She had torn both shoulders, fractured her back, and lost her love of the sport before deciding to forego her Olympic dreams and take her talents to UCLA. I was broken, Ohashi said. Now Ohashi is performing joyful routines and dominating the field as the Bruins' premier talent. Saturday marked the sixth time in her collegiate career that she's earned perfect marks and the fourth time she's done so on the floor. Ohashi seems rather content with her accomplishments in her gymnastics career, barring one small detail. She tweeted herself, Now I just gotta learn how to clap on the beat. Sounds like she she didn't give up. No, and she basically. Um, I mean, the good news is the video is available on YouTube too. So it's like it's absolutely amazing. But you know, some people. To make it to make it to the Olympic level, it's not that easy. It isn't so simple. No, it is not. Yeah, and she and she felt she feels like she could do better at the college level. It's like, hey, that's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> at least you got to start in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, Jackson 5. Oh, there's a little Janet Jackson in there. Oh, my. 
Yeah, little Janet Jackson, little Michael Jackson. (laughs) But, you know, (laughs) at least she didn't give up her gymnastics dreams. No. uh -uh. She drifted the location a little bit. Yeah, which which I think is probably, you know, for some people, it's not that it's not a bad idea. <laughs> it's like yes, 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 and yeah. What was that all about? No, oh, she was just high fiving everybody. And look at that, tens and tens. <laughs> But, you know, if you have a dream, stick to it, like she did. Yep, exactly. Because her last name sounds Japanese, which I I think it is Japanese. I wouldn't be surprised if it is. They're quiet and shy people to begin with, with the exception of when they do karaoke. Mm -hmm. Or some outrageous stunts, but she sounds very quiet and humble. Yeah. Okay, now, when I saw this story, I'm thinking, this cannot be real. Well, I checked. It's real. A woman banned from Texas Walmart after riding cart while drinking wine from a Pringles can. (laughs) She must have been a tight. Who knows? Oh, my God. I mean, I checked. I double-checked to make sure this thing was real. It's real. (laughs) That was in South Carolina, wasn't it? Nope, it was in Texas, Wichita Falls, Texas. <laughs> oh. All right, well, anyway, this was posted yesterday. Um, a woman was banned from a Texas Walmart after she rode around the store in a riding cart while drinking wine from a Pringles can, said police. Police officers were called <laughs> to the Wichita Falls Walmart on January 11th, according to the Times Record News on January 11th. Employees told officers that the woman had been riding the cart and drinking for several hours before they called the police, Time Record News said. Officer Jeff Hughes told the news outlet that the police were told by 911 dispatchers that they were looking for a woman with black pants and a blue jacket. The report said she had been riding around in the store's parking lot since around 6.30 a.m. local time. Police were called there at 9 a.m. The electric shopping carts are generally reserved for people with disabilities, and officers said she was drinking from a Pringles can. The woman what was time discovered is in that? Their- what time was that? Was the police called? And what time was she riding? And what time did they say she was riding them? Six thirty. Seven thirty, eight thirty. Normally, those charges on those shopping carts don't last more than two, two or two and a half hours, before they finally yeah. run out of juice. Yeah. You must have got one that had just been fully charged. Could be. Anyway, the woman was discovered in a nearby restaurant. She was then told she was banned from the Walmart. It's not clear if she will face any charges. Other details about the incident are not clear at this time. Oh, but, she must oh my have been God. higher in a kite on hooch. Who knows? All right, well, guess she what? Doesn't. Um, She's not saying anything. Yeah, well, guess what? You, uh, before the new year... Um, Remember, I had post I had posted a story about some of the UK grocery stores already putting out Easter candy. Well, guess what? I spotted at the Maxwell Commissary on Saturday. Easter bunny and Cadbury eggs. It's like oh. already. What is wrong with you? We already have. Wrong. We still have leftover Christmas candy in our refrigerator. Yeah, and we're not even past Valentine's Day yet. Well, I think Sooner Easter later. falls in March instead of April this year. Maybe that's why. Uh, let me find out. Let's see. Cortana? Let's calendar here. When is Easter this year? Let's see. Okay. A little early. Uh, okay. Surely. April twenty first. Uh, Sunday, April twenty first, so Yeah. My theory was wrong. Yeah. I would it 
Let me explain what this has to do with. There's, it's, there's actually a bit of science behind when Easter falls. It has to do with the moon. Oh, my. Yeah, it the actually moon? has to do with the first moon of the spring. Well, actually, the first moon of the spring is in April then, huh? Right. All right, now this is from last year about why Easter is so early. But what happened was um, Easter most generally falls on the first Sunday after the first full moon occurring on or after the vernal equinox. Now, in 2018, the equinox came on March 20th, marking the official beginning of spring. So the first full moon after the March equinox comes on Saturday, March 31st. Voila, in 2018, the, the Sunday, Easter Sunday is the following day. Now, Here's where it gets interesting. The Council of Nicaea, the first ecumenical council of the Christian church, established the date of Easter when it met in Turkey in the year 325 CE. By ecclesiastical rules sent centuries ago, there are 35 dates on which Easter can take place. The earliest possible date for Easter is March 22nd, and the latest possible date is April 25th. Okay, so I wasn't far off when I said it would be in April. Right. It has to do it has to do with the full moon. The first Sunday following the full first full moon on or after the vernal equinox. Now, here's something interesting. Um if you want to see if you okay, the uh, the earliest Easter in the 21st century came in 2008, March 23rd, 2008. Now, if you want to see March 23rd have Easter, You'll have to wait till 2160. Ah, you're kidding. Nope. Now, let's see. The last time Easter fell on March 22nd, earliest possible date, was 1818, and the next time will be in 2285. <laughs> the most recent I, time in Easter... Go ahead. I don't think too many of us will be around then. No. The most recent time in Easter came in March was March 27, 2016. The century's latest Easter will occur in the year 2038, as in April 25th. After that, the next time it falls on April 25th is 2190. Do you think we'll be around in 2190? No. Nope. But here's where it gets interesting. Easter can never come early as... Easter can never come as early as March 21st because, by ecclesiastical rules, the vernal equinox is fixed on March 21st. That's in spite of the fact that in the 21st century, every March equinox after the year 2007 will fall on March 19th or March 20th. Moreover, an ecclesiastical full moon does not necessarily happen on the same day as an astronomical full moon. Therefore, it's possible for an ecclesiastical, ecclesiastical Easter and an astronomical Easter to occur on different dates as well. Uh, this year, the full moon will come on March 21st uh, after the spring equinox, but yet the ecclesiastical Easter will fall on April 21st, whereas the astronomical Easter will be March 24th. Go figure that one out. <laughs> Is like confused? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that, gentle people. That's fine. Oh, my. <sighs> Dogs are pitching a bus because um, they are a slight disruption to routine around here. Ah. Uh, you see, the slightest disruption. I'm kidding. <laughs> Beginning to sound like Dr. Ruth. Hmm. Let's see. Oh, yes. you've got to be kidding. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know. Netflix is the streaming service. There's Hulu. Um, got DC's got its streaming service. Disney's working on one. This is about to try to join in. NBC Universal in 2020. Oh, boy. Hopefully they'll have a lot of Jane Pauly on it. Yeah. Well, let's see. Let's see. Uh, they're going to launch in early 2020. Oh, uh, noting that the company will also retain its 30% stake in Hulu. Let's see. Access to the ad-supported service will reportedly be free for those who already pay for cable, while those without a provider can pay separately for a subscription. An ad-free version of the streaming service will also be available at an additional cost. 
Uh, let's see. NBC has some of the world's most valuable intellectual. Can you talk to your mic, Janet? Why do they keep doing shit like that? There are people who can't afford any streaming service, even at four ninety nine a month. Well, the thing is, um, if you already have cable, it's going to be free. But you have to deal with ads. I wonder if um, I wonder if uh, Directv counts as cable. No, because it's satellite. But yeah, it seems like. Um, it's like every you got CBS All Access already. ABC's got Go, I think. I can't remember what. ABC, let's see. Di, you know, Disney doesn't quite have the streaming service yet. But it's like seriously. I mean, as much as I would love to go cut the cable, cut the cord, and everything. There's one problem. You pay for all these on all these services together. You're practically going to be paying the same thing. Point taken. Well, me, what I'm going to do is, but what I'm going to do is, I'm going to cut back on some cable. I'm going to take two or possibly three boxes out. Mom gets to keep hers because she's got to have a wrestling. Because I can now catch episodes anytime. I, I can catch episodes on the CW app. It's like I can watch the show right there. I don't have to record it because it'll be right on the app the next day. Mm-hmm. I'm doing that, I can really cut some um, cut some things out. Major cordage there. Right. Exactly. Um, some people are complaining because the cable companies are getting so far out of hand. Mm-hmm. And they are. Yeah, I agree. And they are. Because I agree, because now... Because now I'm paying $160 a month. Shannon, you remember when I was at your house a couple years ago, I was in shell shock when I found out my cable bill with WOW was 170 Yeah, I agree. And Jack, uh, we're paying quite a bit a month for our direct mm-hmm. TV. Yeah. You know, we um, had DirecTV. They jacked us around, so we went to Cox Cable. Cox Cable jacked us around, so we went back yeah. to DirecTV. Kind of glad they did. Now I could um, stay caught now up. I can join Doctor Who again. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we are and almost out of time. One okay. um, show, one channel that we didn't get the first go around, which was um, Matt Geo Wild. Uh huh. I love the show, The Incredible Doctor Pole. And guess what? What? I was thumbing through the channels one night, and lo and behold, we got Matt Geo Wild. I thought it was a fluke. Huh. All right. Well, anyway, we're almost out. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're almost out of time. So here's the schedule. Uh, tomorrow is New Carsmill Tuesday. We're gonna double up with this week and next week because I'll have that concert next Tuesday, so we won't have a show. Uh, Wednesday is Food Fascinations, Lucky and Unlucky Foods. Thursday, of course, is the Free for All, and Friday I do have the Flash, but that's the only one. After that, Naughty Mad Libs. So we're all good on that this week. Uh, let's Ooh. see. Please, yeah. So please remember to follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and follow us on our website beyondtheairwaves.weebly.com. If you ever miss an episode, there are three ways to catch up. First, there's the Stitcher.com app available on iTunes, Google Play, and the Amazon Kindle Store. Second, you can listen to or download full episodes of the show from BlogTalkRadio.com. And finally, you can find us on iTunes. Just do a search in the podcast for Beyond the Airwaves, and you'll find many of our episodes there. So with that in mind, I'm going to say love, peace, and chicken grease. Everybody have a great night, sleep well, stay safe, and we'll see you tomorrow for New Cars Milk Tuesday. Have a good night, everyone. Take care, Mike. Hopefully we'll we'll hear from you tomorrow. Donna, everybody.
right, that's all for tonight. Have a great night, and remember all these things. You, I almost had him. I had him. I almost had him. <laughs> you stuttering prick, you. Shut up! And then, of course... I am vengeance. I am the night. I am... And, of course... This is the voice of the Mr. Rons. We know you can hear us, Earthmen. Shut up! All right, that's all for tonight. Ooh. We'll see you tomorrow for New Curse Mill Tuesday. Have a nice night, y'all. Take care, yeah. everybody.